And this edition of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetUS.com. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, A. Sherrod Blakely, with Kwani A. Lunas. How are you doing today, Kwani? I'm doing well. How are you? You are so not doing well. Yes, I am. But you are doing a little new do there, and we'll, we'll, we can get to the new do another time, another okay. time. Because <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff we got to get into today, yes. for sure. Uh, the Celtics are actually winning, so we, we get to talk about a winner. We get Goodness. to talk about a winner. And before we get too far into that, I just want to uh, get another shout out to our sponsor, BetUS.com. Uh, that, you know, again, OG of all OGs when it comes to that particular line of work. Uh, glad that they are supporting the A-List podcast, uh, which, again, we want to talk about winning and we can't talk about winning unless we talk about BetUS.com. But on a more Celtic-centric note, Celtics, back-to-back wins. On and a road, beat knocked off an un, then undefeated Charlotte Hornets team that was playing some of the best basketball in the entire association. Now, we know Jason Tatum is nice. We know Jalen Brown is nice. We don't usually talk about them both bringing that bringing that heat the in the same game. <laughs> so, what I mean for you, Quanny, I mean, what what were your, some of your big takeaways from the, the last couple of games where the Celtics have been able to obviously? come away with a couple of wins and even up their record at two and two. Yeah, it was refreshing to see them beat not only the Hornets, but the Rockets as well. And I think part of it, when you mentioned how good the Hornets were going into that game against the Celtics, I want to think it's them, the Celtics at least, playing up to the opponent and realizing that they did have to play with a little more grit. They definitely looked more organized and, and a little more comfortable on the floor overall. So the fact that everyone was able to contribute just says it speaks volumes on the potential that we've talked about over the off season. And the fact that they were able to execute in this game to the point where it went into overtime, which made it even more exciting, I think just speaks to volumes when it comes to what this team is capable of doing long-term. Yeah. The the Charlotte game was really important. I mean, Houston was more of just kind of a, a sigh of relief. I mean, this is a team that is really They've got a lot of young talent, and Houston, they're, they're going to be bad this year, but they're going to play hard. And, and the Celtics had to really not so much meet them from a talent standpoint, but meet them from an effort standpoint. And that was, you know, the one big takeaway from that that beatdown they took at home to Toronto where they just didn't play hard. Uh, Toronto clearly was the harder-playing team and easily beat them. That was not the case when they went to, when they played Houston. Uh, again, another team that is all about effort, and the Celtics had a little bit more and got the win. But Charlotte – was easily their most complete performance of the mm-hmm. season. When you look at not just the scoring by Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown, but also the contributions by so many others. Yeah. You know, Marcus Smart was only like three for 12 shooting the ball, but he made Marcus Smart-like plays, yeah. getting in people's pockets. Uh, I was surprised that, you know, our, our good friend uh, Gordon Hayward, plays for Charlotte, made some very – what's the word I'm looking for? It brought me back to that game when Kyrie was here, when Gordon didn't pass in the ball, and Kyrie's going like – Gordon had a few of those moments in, in his last game where he made plays where if he should have known better that certain Celtics, i.e. Marcus Smart, would do certain things at certain moments right. in the game. And he, yeah, and, and yet he still – you know, he act, I mean, he came off as if he didn't know that Marcus was going to, you know, put forth that effort. So uh, lots of good effort. Marcus Smart, you know uh, – Al Horford, obviously Tatum and Brown did their thing. Uh, Dennis Schroeder made some big shots. I mean, you can just go on and on and Jabari on. Jabari Parker, everyone. Jabari <laughs> Parker dusted off JP. And he come out looking like he playing against like, like Clemson. He yeah. like a Duke playing against Clemson, busting it for like 20 points. Had yeah. like 11 points or 13 points, something like that. A very quick, mm-hmm. quick spurt. They needed that. Um, yeah. and, and it was good to see them really get lots of different contributions. But to me, what I took away, uh, probably my biggest takeaway was Jason Tatum, uh, not so much the scoring, but just the presence that he had throughout the game. It's like when they were struggling, he didn't seem rattled. When they started pulling away, he didn't seem to, you know, up and amped up for the moment. When he didn't get some calls go his way, he listened to his coach and just kind of kept his mouth shut and kept playing. 
Uh, the only Even time inbound played debacle, he seemed very level-headed despite everyone else in the arena being right. confused. He got right. the ball, brought it back across the floor, and it was still inbound. So that's how they were able to get into overtime. So that, like you said, he was showing that leadership early on. Yeah. And, and the thing about his leadership, and, and again, we, it, obviously we're talking about one game, and there's just so many more games left in the schedule. We can't overreact to anything. Yeah. But we have to, I think, embrace the fact that Tatum's leadership is going to be a work in progress and mm-hmm. that there are going to be certain games where it's going to be more obvious and apparent that it's working and some nights where it's just not going to work. But last I checked, that means he's human. That means he's going to come up short some days. That means that things aren't going to go quite how we want them to or how he wants them to. But what I'm looking for from him is just to be consistent with not so much the impact, but the effort of leading. Uh, he needs, I think, to really just embrace the fact that he the best, he that dude uh, and, and be that dude and, and, and know that we're looking for that dude to be that guy night in, night out. And, and, and I think he's starting to get that a little bit. And, and Jalen Brown, you know, I, he's going to pick his spots uh, as far as when he's going to be the alpha and when he's going to be like the alpha next to the alpha. And I, and I get that. He's That's just how he is. He wants to be that man every night, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Tatum had a great game. Jalen had a great game. And watching them work in concert with each other, uh, and not step over each other, I thought was really, really good to see. Um, but Jalen, as as you know, he was a game time decision. I mean, he's he's dealing with some knee issues, and we've had a long discussion on the Garden Report and CLNS Media about Jalen being that damn knee. And I, I want to get your take on on just where's your concern level for Jalen and his health at this point. There's only so much concern you can have because. When you look at a, a team, they're not—they're only going to disclose the amount of information that they have to give you. So I imagine that if it was very serious, I would hope for one that he wouldn't be on the floor if it really was that bad. But I also want to put that trust in Coach Udoka that if he needs to manage that knee, that they will play him in games that they really need to. And if, even if they play him in those games, they'll be very conscious of how long they're putting him in the game. Again, they get paid enough to do that. So as of now, I'm not necessarily concerned, especially seeing the way that he's able to perform. I don't know how that affects him after how much pain he is after those big performances, but I'm going to leave it to the coaching staff that if there gets to a point where he really shouldn't be in the game, that they'll pull him out. If that means not seeing him for a few games and then putting him in for bigger matchups, whatever the case may be, I think that's a better, obviously, long-term investment for the team versus Let's put him in every game, and then you risk a bigger injury because you just needed to get Jalen on the floor. This is where you need to trust your depth on your roster to get those young guys in and really give Jalen the rest that he can get every once in a while. Well, I will tell you right now, I am not mashing the panic button, Yeah, but make no mistake about it. That damn panic button is right here, right here, and I got my hand right just above (laughs) it because here's my thing. I'm not so concerned about – you know, him, this being just a devastating type of injury, I'm yeah. concerned about the uncertainty of knowing when I can have him available and when I'm going to have to sit him. And that, it, yeah. to me, it's it's the same issue you had with Kimba. The issue wasn't yeah. how Kimba played. The issue was we don't know when Kimba's going to play. Yeah. We literally could go, could wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning, go through our scouting report, do our walkthrough, Go back to bed, take a nap, get up, head to the gym, and Kim was like, eh, "I ain't playing today." Mm-hmm. And there's and there's nothing I can really do about that, but accept that he knows his body better than anyone. And if he's not able to go, he's not able to go. Same thing with Jalen. I don't like the fact that I have very little comfort in whether I'm going to have him every game that he that I think he's going to be available. And Jalen, you know, he's talked about it. It's it's not as bad as it was last year, and it, it's not something that he thinks is going to linger. But, bruh, we're not even through two weeks of the season, and you've already yeah. missed the game with the damn, with, because of the damn knee. So I – and obviously part of that may have to do with the fact that it was a double overtime game, and it was after that mm-hmm. that he was having some sorts. But – He carried the team for that game specifically. Yeah. Too. And so I can understand why your knee's a little sore, because you right. carried the whole like <laughs> – 46 minutes. Yeah, I get that. Best game you ever had in the NBA scoring the ball. So I, I understand that. But it doesn't take away from the fact that if 
let's say we didn't have last year as a reference point and he was just having some soreness, then we would chalk it up. To, shoot, he, he carried the team for the double overtime. That's why the knee's sore. But the fact is, this was something that he was dealing with last year. And the fact that it flared up again less than two weeks into the season, for me, is concerning. And if you're the Celtics, that's why it's so important that the Romeo Langfords, the Aaron Neesmiths, the Jabari Parkers, all those other guys that are on your bench that may not necessarily be locked into being major players, get out there and play well when they get the opportunity because you I'm getting the feeling that this is not going to be the first time or excuse me this will not be the last time that Jalen Brown misses a game because of that damn knee and that again it it, it worries me to the point where I, I hate not knowing what the hell I'm, I'm working with on a night in night out basis but at the same time I take comfort in the fact that it doesn't sound as though this is something that's going to like you know, ruin his career or, or keep him out for an extended period of time. It sounds like they're just going to have to really be smart about picking their spots when to shut him down and when to just kind of let him roll out there and, and play. Yeah. And you would talk, you had mentioned our, our coach, Ime Yudoka, a little while ago. And um, he got that first dub. Yeah. So he, he got the water shower. All right. the, ball, the ball got the water shower too. Um, yes. And, I mean, Most- yeah, but I mean, it, it's still early. But I mean, just what I mean, what are some of your early impressions of what he's doing as a coach? I mean, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm seeing. But what are some of your impressions? Well, one, the fact that the team is rooting for him to get those dubs. They're the ones that are on the floor playing. But for them to be so excited to see their coach get his first NBA coaching win is very telling of how they receive him as their coach. So that's already a good sign in itself. And the fact that it seems as though the Celtics only in four games, but they've been making adjustments over the last few games. And and really, I think building upon each game, whether it's a win or a loss says a lot to one, how they're receiving him again, but also the way that this team is coming together, coaching staff included, because obviously it's an entire unit that needs to get adapted to each other. That's going to take a while for us to fully see it. Well, here's the thing. They still in the honeymoon phase of that relationship. is valid, and you know, Juani, you know, those first few days is all love. Look, they can have a booger in their nose, it's all right, that's so cute. We they need their first see. blowout loss, exactly. To really see what's exactly. happening. Their hair could be jacked up, you like, baby, it's the most beautiful thing in the world, most beautiful yeah. thing in the world. You know, I love you, girl, it's just gorgeous, <laughs> hair going everywhere, anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's so. It's it's understandable why they are like, you know, this yeah. is awesome. Way to go, coach. I think a, I mean, low key, real reason they getting tired of him being on their ass about not performing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of Already. why. It's like, hey, coach, great win, great win. Thank God, now he will get <laughs> on my ass. Exactly, and he kind of joked about it after the first win that you know he was just basically telling them about time y'all got the first win, mm-hmm. and, and and so. I love the fact that we're slowly but surely, and again, we're, it's really early in the, in the game, but you can start seeing his impact on these guys from just a mental approach to the game standpoint. Like in that Charlotte game, there were some calls that did not go their way that were like pretty obvious ones. Yeah. And they didn't dwell on them like they've done in the past. They didn't spend, you know, time trying to talk the referee and explain what happened while they were calling some of the plays that he should have, and they, they just moved on, brushed it right. off. Right. Which it clearly shows his coaching style is don't complain, just keep playing. Right. Which is good. They need that. <laughs> right. But they still got some politicians. They got some politicians on that roster. Grant Williams, and shout out to Grant oh, Williams. Yes. Yeah. Because he got whacked in the head and they were going to call it a regular foul. And mm-hmm. Ime is old school. He's just like, you got fouled? No big deal. You Grant's can. like, Nah, I got I got like ten seconds before Coach going to see me do this. Right. So, let me. <laughs> yeah. While he's on the ground, you know, Ime's probably not paying no attention to him. He's yep. talking to the refs like, "I got hit in the head. I got hit in the head. Y'all yep. need to look at that." And so by the time he got back up, Ime's looking around like, "What's the holdup?" They're walking over to the score table to look at it, not realizing <laughs> that Grant, low key, politics his way into getting yep. him look at. And I respect the hell out of Grant for that. There's a reason yep. why a young fella is on the Players Association executive board at such an early age because he mm-hmm. knows how to play that game. And he I mean, got his mom was his mom working for NASA. Was his mother? 
exactly. you know, he comes from a line of intelligent people. Exactly, exactly. And so I, I was, because I was watching him on the ground when the camera was on him and he's talking to the rest. I'm thinking like, you know what? This boy, he, he is trying he to get that call. He is trying to get that, that flagrant one call. He is oh, trying to get them to go look at it. And no one was really paying attention. You know, his teammates were around seeing if he was okay. And he was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Y'all know that I got hit. And I respect that. I absolutely respect that. And I respect Grant's game now. I mean, low key, there may be a nationwide apology cam for Grant Williams this year if he keeps balling out the way he's Don't speak too soon. (laughs) Now, his numbers are going to go down. I mean, he shoots almost damn near 70% from three-point range. That's going to go down significantly. There's no doubt about that. But – He's making open shots. I mean, and, and it sounds like such a simple concept, but when you watch enough NBA basketball equality, you, you've seen it as well as I have. It seems like it's like Mission Impossible for cast to make an open damn layup or an open shot, even though you spend hours upon hours and you've done mm-hmm. this years working right. to do just that one thing. And Grant, that's all he's really doing now is making open shots. And, uh, you know, the, the apology cam, I'm not quite ready to give him an apology cam. Yeah. But let's just say it's it's plugged up. It's plugged up. No, I, I am it. not going there. No, I'm. In, I see what you're doing, and we're not doing it. I love it. We, we'll say if listen, if Grant Williams is playing this well by Thanksgiving, if he's averaging like about eight nine points and mm-hmm. shooting close to forty percent for three point range, the apology cam will come out for him All without right. question. Because at that point, teams will have had enough time to adjust to what he can do, what he can't do. And if he's still getting buckets at that point, he, he it's legit. It's legit. And yeah. speaking of politic, poli- politics, yeah. think back. I, I was thinking about this the other day when he was he had a really good game and Ime was talking about him afterwards. And Ime had mentioned how Grant went up to him at one point and said, Coach, what do I need to do to, to, to play? And, yeah. and Ime was like, you need to shoot about 40% for three-point range and play defense. And so, yeah, that's pretty much what he's done. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I love the fact that he he knows how to politic with the refs. He mm-hmm. knows how to politic with his coach. He knows how to politic with his teammates. He gets it that there's more than just, you know, jumping, leaping, athleticism. There's there's some smarts that go into getting on the floor and making an impact. And I, I love the fact that Grant, maybe more than any other Celtic. You can kind of see the the IQ dynamic of who he is yeah. on display because Grant Williams, I don't believe from a pure talent standpoint, should be helping this team as much as he does. He's doing in part because he's got some talent, but more, I think, it's about his intellect. Uh, and mm-hmm. we don't really give him props for his knowledge of the game uh, and knowledge of how to put his imprint on the game than, than we should. Um, he's having a great start to the season, and who knows, in two weeks he could suck. And then we'll be ripping him a new one because that's yeah. what we do. But for now, Grant Williams is playing exceptional basketball for the Celtics. And he is, without question, putting them in position to win. And, and you know who else yeah. puts in position? Oh, wait. No, but, but, but before you do that, though, I did a quick point on Grant. The conversation on growth, his first season in the league where he had this drought. He couldn't make a three-point shot. Ben Simmons was, was what they, they were They were calling him Ben Simmons in the locker room. So – for you to bring that up is definitely very telling of him trying to get better and now us seeing that not only on the floor but in the box score as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Grant because, I mean, we've, we've talked with Grant before. He's a really nice kid. You really want to see him do well. He talks he talks a lot. Uh, he really <laughs> he does. Though. But it's okay, though, because, because there's, there's so many players in the league who are at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. But – at least now we can talk about Grant and we can talk about him in a positive light uh, because, you know, when he, again, as you pointed out, Kwani, when he was missing everything and anything, it felt, I felt bad for him it's because awkward. it's like you talking all this smack and, and trying to get motivate your teammates and then looking at you like, bro, can you just make a damn shot? Right. I ain't, I ain't asking you to be like James Harden. I'm not asking <laughs> you to, to dunk on folks like Joel Embiid. I'm asking you to make a damn yeah. shot. Stop being like Ben Simmons. At least Ben doesn't score from outside because he don't take the shots. You taking the shots. And you, yeah. giving me, and you giving me Ben Simmons production from outside. You can't give me Ben Simmons production from outside. So I love the fact that Grant Williams is changing the narrative about who he is. And, and again, he, what he's doing is more than anything else, he's impacting winning. And when it comes to winning, 
gets us back to our good friends, BetUS.com. Listen, they've been in the game for over 25 years. It was America's favorite sports book. Uh, integrity, longevity, and more than anything else, you get paid. Check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. BetUS.com, where the games begin. Now, the Celtics finally got off the snide. Mm -hmm. So the level of drama associated with them is down a little. We're not talking about, are they tuning out Eme? We're, we're not talking about, is Jason Tatum taking too many damn shots? We're not talking about all these other things. And so our focus shifts away from the green team. Just to the a little. other end of the country. To the other end of the country, exactly. <laughs> where they got a little bit of eh, kerfuffleism going on in La La Land. And I'm thinking, I'm talking specifically about, well, first of all, the Lakers have lost two of the first three games, just like Boston did, which in it, that in itself is, is not that big a deal. But there's added drama. Uh, you've got Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis going at it during the game, during the timeout. Not at, we're not talking practice. We're, not, not talk, we're talking the game. And we're I was watching that game live, and I remember just looking up, just confused and in yeah. awe. And at first I thought Rondo was fighting. I was like, oh, that makes sense. But he was the one breaking up the fight. Rondo <laughs> peacekeeping. Rondo peacekeeping. That, that when, whenever you know something is terribly wrong, right? Rondo is playing the role of peacekeeper. Exactly. So Anthony Davis explained it later that, you know, it was just a mix-up of, of coverage and all that, which, which again, it's a logical explanation. But the reaction that they had in that moment where they had to be separated, you don't see that often, uh, and particularly among bigs. And I don't know whether, you know, Anthony Davis was reminding him that, yo, I'm one of the top 75 all time, and you not, Dwight. Or, and Dwight's like, but – I'm a my I was the best player at my position in my prime. You're not. Why why we got a beef? What's I mean, they had issues. I need the audio. And, I need the I, audio. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that listen, I know that they may have made it about that particular set where there was a miscommunication, but I got the feeling that there there may be something a little deeper rooted yeah. in what's going on between them, that there may be a little more angst. Uh, in that locker room, then those guys are letting on because it, that was very unusual, particularly this damn early in the season. I mean, we, I mean, they're three games in, I think, at yeah, this point. I mean, I mean, and and the the Lakers, you know, as, as much as you know, I, I love the idea of bringing a band back from from you know mm -hmm. 2015 because uh, this back it was back in 2015 16. This team would have killed everyone. This team would have been the this would have been the all star team. Uh, yeah. This would be like the Lakers against NBA All Stars, and they would probably the Lakers back then would have won, but yes. unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, this is 2021, and you got Carmelo is like your lead scorer. You got LeBron, who is still a great player, but this ain't 2015, 2016 LeBron, mm -hmm. you know. And then you got Dwight Howard, who is just you know he's running on fumes out there, um, mm -hmm. but still relatively effective you start going down a list of, of this the, one of the oldest teams we'll see in the nba ever maybe and you just get the feeling that there's something how are they going to figure this out yeah like how are they because i mean they're, they're, this is to me it's like having a lot of really good veteran who have done great things and they've done them their way and now you're asking them to change because I was talking with a friend of mine who's, who's a scout and we were talking about, the, we got to talking about the Lakers because it's hard to have a conversation about okay. with anyone and not get on the Lakers. Yeah. And, you know, he, he brought up a really good point about how, you know, it's like when you have, it's one thing to have an old dog to try to teach him a new trick. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to have a whole kennel of old dogs trying to teach them new tricks because right. some will do it. Others will not. And they'll point to the fact that I've been doing it this way for 15 mm -hmm. years. And last I checked, I'm going into the Hall of Fame when all of this is done. So how are you going to tell me, future Hall of Famer, I need to change when, in fact, I've been kind of pretty nice the way I've been doing it? That, to me, is one of the issues that the Lakers, I don't know how they're going to resolve that. I don't know how you're going to convince guys who are incredibly awesome at their jobs that they need to change. 
And it doesn't help that LeBron went into the season hearing all the haters because of their age and saying, keep that same energy. Oh, we will, LeBron, we will. Now we are because you're looking at this team and, I mean, they know they're in a fishbowl, but something like that should have never transpired on the bench. If it was really that serious, it should have happened in the locker room. And now that the whole world was able to see it, they're not going to be able to let that go. So there's an explanation that needs to be had or – they need to produce in a way that people forget that that even happened. And as of now, that's not the case because right now the Lakers are one and two. So they need to figure out a way to, again, it's early, but they need to figure out a way to fix it. Damage control. Yeah. And (laughs) if that were like the only like La La Land Mm -hmm. drama, then we'd be good. We'd be good. But then you got Rondo, Mm -hmm. Mr. Peacekeeper one day, putting his finger in your face. The next and and Rondo, this this is the thing. The fan got ejected, and it's unclear exactly what was ex- what was said and what was exchanged. But all we have from a video standpoint is Rondo putting his hands in that dude's face. Yeah, and that dude did what I think ninety nine point nine percent of dudes and women would do. If you put your hands in my face, I'm gonna get your hand on my face. Mm-hmm. And and it it's in to me the Lakers. They just—they look like a team that's got this—that has a level of frustration that is unusual to be at this level this early in the season. Yeah, like why yeah. are y'all so stressed? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like, bro, like chill, bro, chill. I mean, it's one if if they were like, let's say they lost four of their first seven games and they're looking at three and four, or they lost six of the first eight, something like like if they were like really really struggling, I can understand why the frustration would be like this. But yeah. fellas, we ain't even two weeks into the damn season and y'all acting like. Like, y'all, two games out of missing the playoffs. Y'all act like y'all – I mean, they are going to be fine. The Lakers are going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference when all is said and done. I don't think they'll win it. I don't think they'll come out of the West. But they're going to be better than what we've seen. But they're going to struggle getting there if they don't get their act together and just act and just play like a team that knows they have to get better as the season progresses as opposed to a team that fully expects for them to just kind of be that – team right now yeah. and the one win they got they barely got yeah, it John Morant, yeah John yeah. Morant missed the free throw he, he got fouled in a three-point shot oh, he yeah, missed all three and four overtime yeah. and he missed the last one so yeah. the only win was like a coin toss you so, should have won <laughs> yeah they, they, they've got some they've got they've definitely got some issues but uh as big a deal as their issues are the Phoenix Suns might have even bigger problems and it's true. It we still haven't seen the actual re, uh, report coming out of ESPN, but apparently there is going to be a report uh, focusing on the Suns owner Robert Sarvar uh, that accuses him of racism, sexism, and sexual harassment within his organization. And you're getting a lot of um, the vibes that the NBA may be cracking down on him the way they did Donald uh, years ago. Uh, and it's, so again, they're. Um, I'm trying to pretend to be shocked, but I, I can't find that interaction no. just yet. So give me a second. No, you, you, you ain't got that Academy Award game in you just yet, Kwani. Not at all. Well, wait a minute. Let me try. Hold on. Nah. <laughs> that's that's the screen. That's the scream audition. That, right, because, right. Halloween yeah, version. I'm trying to give screen gun. Yeah, but it, it's it's not surprising. Uh, and it's you know, and again, just like the you know the the leaked. Uh, emails from John Gruden, not surprising. Uh, but what, what is I'm surprising, surprised you haven't seen more to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for, for me, what, what is a little bit surprising is the fact that they're apparently the league may be looking to take significant steps towards them, even though we haven't, no one has seen the reports publicly. And I don't know if that make it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in that regard because yeah. typically this the news gets out, the league looks at the news. They convene with different shareholders within the league, and then they make a decision. But it sounds as though that they've already made a decision, which I think is a bad precedent because I don't think all the, the necessary facts have been laid out there yet. Hell, we haven't even seen the report yet. Yeah. Uh, so you now, so there's there's just a lot of things that are still up in the air about this that I, I would like to have a little more clarity on, and, and certainly I think folks, you know, publicly want to know more. Uh, before they make an opinion one way or the other on this. But it, it, it speaks to a, a larger issue uh, throughout not just the NBA, but just professional sports in general. And just that, you know, there are those who are in positions of power 
who have prejudices and biases and and and, and all those other isms uh, that you don't really know how much of an impact that has on what they do in their job. And in that, I simply mean this. If you at an organization that hasn't had a woman or a person of color in a significant position of 15, 20 years, there's probably a reason why. Uh, and it has nothing to do with qualified candidates or anything like that. Uh, and these type of stories shed light on some of those kind of behind the scenes factors that lead into just why there's a lack of diversity uh, on many, many fronts. Um, but the one thing about the Phoenix Suns, I will say this, though. Uh, and, and again, this we don't know whether the, the information that they gathered on, on, on Sarvar is from years ago or whether it's more recent. But if you're going by what he has done recently, uh, he has made very clear, tangible steps in the right direction towards diversity. When you look at who was head coaches, you look at who was GM is, and you look at the success that they've had there. You look at the types of players that they have brought in who have a certain – I mean, Chris Paul, he's expensive as hell to bring in. But you not only are you getting a good player, but you're getting someone who is considered one of the good citizens of the NBA, someone who has been very outspoken about diversity, about HBCU schools and, and their value and importance. I mean, he rocks more HBCU gear than he does Wake Forest, which yeah. is where he's, got, where he's got his degree from. And I respect that. I absolutely respect that. Um, but it speaks to where his head is at and where his heart's at. And for the Phoenix Suns owner, because again, Robert Sarver, he's the last line. When the check is cut, it's coming out of his pocket. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be as comfortable at bringing in someone like Chris Paul, not only because of what he does in terms of winning, but you don't make any deal now for a player without factoring in how they fit into your culture and specifically how they impact that culture. And, and so it'll be very interesting to see how all this plays out because rest assured, you know, Robert Sarvar, he's going to point out what I just mentioned about how some of the things they've done from a diversity standpoint. Uh, but again, we need to see the other side of this story. We need to see those damning emails or, or messages and, and, and data that, you know, raise questions about, you know, him as far as it relates to race and sexism and, and sexual harassment. Uh, those are all obviously issues that we are talking more about now and should be talking more about when it comes to pro sports. Um, but I'm just curious to see how all this plays out because it's it's because it's, it's just starting now and it's I don't believe it's going to stop anytime soon. No, I don't either. And the way you look at the way the Donald Sterling case, how that was handled, and I mean it, it trickled down. The effect goes down from you know from the top to the bottom. To the players, I guess, are at the bottom. The people that work in that arena, it, it affects a lot of people. And for the NBA to really be strong about advocacy and social justice, this is going to be something that they have to take very seriously once again because that just reflects poorly if you do keep someone in a position like that, especially when the title is owner, which I already don't like to begin with, even though I know they technically do own the franchise. It just doesn't speak well when a lot of your employees are people of color or of different backgrounds that are generally not represented at the top. So I'm very curious to see how they play this out. Yeah. And and, and again, I'm, I'm really, really eager to see that that report. Uh, I thought it would have been out by now because the, the initial story saying that there was a report coming, I think that came out like uh, last Friday, I believe. So uh, hopefully we'll see something relatively soon. Uh, on that so that we as as we can put it in the court of public opinion in the public opinion yeah, yeah and, and, and and let us get it let us make a verdict and ruling yeah. on that nba um, twitter will make the vote oh yeah <laughs> nba twitter black twitter <laughs> all of it all of it all, <laughs> all of it and you and speak and not even speaking of twitter but just speaking of things that we have uh the court of public opinion has a voice in you can't go a week without talking about Kyrie Irving we just can't do it we can't do it. And, Are you talking and this, about Floyd Mayweather? Did you see that? Oh, yeah, about, about a support for yeah, our Yeah, I know Kyrie. that wasn't on our, yeah, it wasn't on yeah, our Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> it was uh, very and, interesting. And I love the way, Floyd, you know, Floyd, he had the teleprompter slash phone, was reading it, and, and he... He could read. <laughs> see, see, I knew you were going to go there. And, and I knew you were going to go there because I saw at least five tweets. I didn't even see like, those tweets, I promise. It was just me remembering that feud he had with, I think it was 50. Yeah, it was 50. It was 50 cent. Yeah, it was. And that's what people and that's what people were, were that was the reference point. Uh for, for those who, who had not heard, uh Floyd Mayweather uh put out a tweet slash video uh basically supporting Kyrie Irving and his you know right to choose being a free thinker. Right, being a free thinker and right to choose 
whether um, he wants to get the vaccine or not. And, and you know, Floyd, he, he points out how, you know, we, we live in a country where there's freedom of choice. And I agree. It is. But there's but we can't mistake freedom of choice and ignore that there's this that there really is there you're not even though you may have freedom of choice that doesn't mean you're free of consequences of the choices you make mm. and that to me is just that 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 subtle nuance that I, I think Kyrie uh I think is a little bit off base on I, I don't think he really fully understands that yes you can choose to do you know what you want but understand that that doesn't make you free of the consequences that come about with your choice and if you are willing to accept those consequences, then fine. But don't try to make those who don't agree with what you feel feel as though they're doing something wrong. Because, again, when they made the choice to get vaccinated, there are consequences that come with that. And, and they understand that. And they embrace that. And if you decide not to, understand that there are consequences with your decision as well. Um, the one thing I, I will say is that I don't like the fact that because Kyrie made this decision, people just kind of crap on him because of that. Uh, he made that choice, and there's consequences with that choice. And the the pushback that he's getting is part of that. The fact that there are folks who aren't really feeling Kyrie is part of that. Flip side to that, there are those who maybe were on the fence who are now supporting him, like Floyd Mayweather. So, uh, again understand that yeah we have freedom of choice but that doesn't make us free of the consequences of the choices we make and that goes for those who are vaxxed not vaxxed supporters of it against it understand that you there is there are consequences to that freedom that you have elected to exercise so um but on the basketball tip if we can go back and just talk about basketball the Nets are not good without Kyrie Irving. I know that's a hot take. I know it's, so it's a hot. really hot take. But I didn't think that they would be this average. They're not fun to watch either. Like, that's the even worse part. It's, I, I watched a few games, and I was just like, mm, this isn't exciting. Even when they beat the Wizards, it's, it, it's not – there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of that, I think, is that – they well, first of all, Kyrie's just a phenomenal ball handler, and he's an entertainer. Yeah, I mean, as, as a, yes. incredibly talented as he is, he's entertaining to watch. But the other issue that Brooklyn has is that you know one of their money make what I call one of the money makers because every every NBA team has certain things that certain players do that I put in the category. That's his money maker. Mm -hmm. James Harden money maker is getting to the free throw line, and yes. the NBA has cracked down on some of those those, those kind of open some of the moves that James likes to do that aren't really natural basketball moves that get his ass to the free throw line first three or four games he's averaging three free throws a game this is a dude who in his career averages almost nine so for him not only are you scoring fewer points but you're also allowing defenses to frankly play a little bit more freer because they got guys who don't have to worry as much about foul trouble with you now and that means you're playing against a better defense which for Brooklyn playing against better defenses James not getting to the free throw line no Kyrie Irving that is a bad trifecta right there a right. bad trifecta so mm -hmm. um they're, they're they're not looking very good right now I they'll be one of the better teams in the east but I, I think that there's a, a legitimate shot that they will not have home court in the first mm -hmm. round which is is surprising but would not shock me if, if they continue to struggle to figure out how to adapt to not having Kyrie Irving and adapt to the new rules in place. Okay. So I tell you who's not struggling though. The Bucks, they look good. Yeah. Giannis yeah. and the boys look good. They 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 looking like you like whatever it. they were drinking to get that championship last year, <laughs> they still, still thirsty. Yeah. They still thirsty. And I, I need some of that. I respect that. I mean, you. I mean, what do you think? You think they got a shot at get at repeating? I mean, there's always a shot, right? But it's. I, I think there is, but if anything, it'll be because they just get continue to get slept on, and people still look at them as, oh, I'm just going Milwaukee. I got a game there, and then they just keep racking up the wins. Because right now they're three and one. Again, I know all the numbers we're giving is really early on in the season to be determining where they're going to seed in the East, but. I wouldn't put a pass on us in the Bucks to make it back. They're hungry, like you said, well, thirsty, hungry, all of it. They want to get back there, and they want respect. So they're going to continue, I think, to grind out this season, whether or not 
we talk about them, mainstream national media decides to talk about them. I think they're going to continue to to grind as much as they can and really get back to where they were at, and and thrive at least to get back to where they were last season because who I doesn't think, want to be back on top? Yeah, I I think for them they'll they'll be in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll get back there. I, I still think that even without okay. Kyrie Irving, the Nets are going to figure this out. I just think they've got too much talent. They got too many guys on that back end that we're not talking about. They're, they got a cat named Cam Thomas, who at yeah. some point they're going to unleash Cam on the world. Yeah. And y'all going to be like, damn, damn, that dude gets buckets. He, yeah. I mean, he, he he literally is all about getting buckets. I mean, that's what he did in summer league when he got MVP. That's what he did at prep school. That's what he's, he's done in college. I mean, he's that's just his game. So if you're going to have Kyrie out of the mix, He's a guy that I think at some point is going to get some some burn there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but right now, I mean, obviously, you know, Steve Nash is he hasn't gained Steve Nash's confidence yet uh, to play him. So you were it'll maybe a minute before we see him. But I yeah. still think Brooklyn is going to be in Charlotte, even though the Celtics beat them. I no, tell you what, good. I was not Lamelo. I'm a fan. Okay, I I'll be the first to admit it. Well, <laughs> here's the here's the irony about him. Yeah. Um, he's such an unselfish player. Yes. And yet everything about him is upbringing by his daddy. That's why it's refreshing to watch him because there are all these stereotypes if you know anything about the Ball family. But when you watch him play with with the Hornets, it's just, you know, he's passing the ball. He's getting good looks. He's really working with his teammates. And you're just like, are you from the Lonzo Ball family or another family right right and 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 the thing the thing that 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 we talked about earlier you know even though he's a different kind of player than Kyrie the entertainment value that he brings to the game he's somebody that you're going to actually pay money to see passes yeah I mean I mean he threw a pass I don't even I mean he threw a pass dribbling to the lane behind his back and yes there were two players in position to get the ball and it wasn't a dunk how they like? Are they practicing this? Because I right. want to watch their practices. Right, they're they're, they're fun to watch. They're, and yeah. and but oh, speaking of dunks, I mean Jalen Brown. Poster. Oh my! It was, I mean Miles. I mean Miles has been on many posters, but not quite like that. Right, that was a new one. <laughs> and he gave he gave Jalen a shout out on social media, and he gave him his yeah. props, which which and I respect Miles' hustle. But but yeah. listen here, next time they play each other, Jalen, don't going be ahead. don't be back on defense in transition. Because Miles is looking to boof it on you. And if I'm Jalen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull out that Olay defense and just be like, go ahead, get that deuce. You ain't putting me on a poster. Mm-hmm. You ain't putting me, not today, not today. No, no, no. I'm just going to back out of this one. I don't want that smoke. I don't want yeah. that smoke. Speaking of smoke, uh, we got another good one coming up here at the guard. The Celtics next uh, couple games, actually, I believe, are against the Washington Wizards. First one will be at TD Garden. Be another chance to see our good friend, Bradley Beal. Mr. Beal. Mr. Beal. Mr. Beal. A Mr. Should be a Celtic Beal. Who's staying in Washington, Beal. <laughs> yeah. So um, what, are, what are you looking for in, in that game? And, and I mean, even though it's been a horse that we have just absolutely beat to death for months, mm-hmm. um, what do you think about Beal in Boston? Because obviously, well, no, I wouldn't say obviously, but most likely it, will, it you would have to include Jalen in something like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about it in, in depth, but I don't know if that's a piece the Celtics are willing to give up, Jalen Brown in addition to other people. Obviously, Bradley Beal is very talented. I don't think you – it's hard. That's why I'm glad I'm not a GM because when you have to make decisions of talented versus a little more talented and, you know, you're ma- managing their – the different parts of it, the, the way they play on the floor, their personalities – their health. There are so many things, factors that you have to consider when thinking about trades like that. So I don't know if I'm completely sold on it. I know we talked about also his dynamic with Tatum and how that could play into the Celtics success or demise. There's just too many things up in the air right now. I think the way the Celtics are playing and the trajectory that they look like they're on looks okay enough to me. So I'm still not exactly sold on that trade being made at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess for, for me, you know, it, it would be a definite no if there were no health concerns at all. Uh, but it's something that I, I keep an eye on with, with Jalen because, again, I, I think the idea of having a 25, 26-year-old all-star who every year he's been in the NBA has gotten appreciably better. 
there's a lot of value in having a guy like that that I don't necessarily think I want to part with. Uh, and, and and throwing the fact that, you know, he's a guy that can really play multiple positions, has great athleticism, great strength. You can put him as, you know, even though he plays basically the two and three, there's some scenarios where you can see him play a little bit of small ball four, depending on who you're playing. Whereas Bradley Beal, I mean, he's playing maybe the one, two, maybe a little small forward. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, and that's a small, small, small forward. Yeah. Uh, so I, he doesn't have the kind of positional versatility that Jalen has. He's a better scorer. Uh, than Jalen, which is saying a lot because Jalen has shown himself to be pretty good. Um, I, I just I think that Beal is committed enough to see this thing through with the Wizards, where he's not going to necessarily look to, to to you know part ways. And they've done some things to add some talent. You know, bringing in Dinwiddie certainly helps uh, a lot uh, to show that they're serious about being a better team. Um, so I think that we're going to pretty much stick to the script with Bradley Beal, and that is. He'll come to the Garden twice. We'll talk about him coming to Boston twice. Yep. He'll go back to Washington, and life will go on. And him and Jalen, or excuse me, Jason, they'll, they'll do whatever they do in the summertime in the streets of St. Louis. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, though, just because, again, you want to see good players as much as you can. And, you know, just kind of being back in the arena now after being away for so long uh, and being around fans, I mean, I'm loving every game we get. Uh, I'm loving every game I get to go to. I, I definitely uh, don't take that for granted anymore. Uh, so that that this it's been fun, and this and that'll be a good crowd because again, they've won a couple games. They're playing better, and you got the whole Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum dynamic, and Jalen knows that his name was the one that's kind of being brought up. So you better believe when Jalen get that ball on the block, and he's looking to see that it's Beal on him. He's looking like, I so clear out. Let me get, let me let me tell you. Let me take Beal in the block. Is this like a Jay Crowder, Gordon Hayward situation? That was the best thing. <laughs> that was so good. And, it, no. and the, thing, the thing I loved about that, though, is that, you know how some athletes, they try to play it off like, no, nah, I'm not really thinking it. about it that. Jay was like, yeah, I didn't All like caps. That whole night, I remember Celtics PR was just trying to get him to delete his tweets because he just was typing no, no. all night. And I, I, I remember... Um, <laughs> <laughs> him and I, we t- we talked about that, and I said, and I told him, you know, I tell y'all the same thing. I said, I appreciate the petty that you brought to it. I appreciate it so much because mm-hmm. so many athletes feel the way he does about other players, and it's not that, yeah, and it's not that he has anything like negative or nasty against me. It's just that mm-hmm. I play for this team, and you don't, and they treat you like like you're the godsend, yeah, like like you the new like you the new messiah up in this joint, right. and I'm like, bruh, I'm a baller too, and to mm-hmm. Jay's credit. Yeah, that game was one of the best games he played all season. Mm-hmm. He was falling out. And for those who don't know the full context, that was when Jay Crowder was still on the Celtics. Gordon Hayward was on the Jazz, and the rumors start to swirl that he would get traded, which we see now that ended up being the case in some way. But Jay Crowder was not happy at one point. I think they actually started cheering for Gordon Hayward at the TD Garden. So that's when he really got upset and he got pissed. Fall out. Yeah. <laughs> he got pissed. Cause I, and I just remember watching him while he was in the game and that started <laughs> happening and he started mm-hmm. looking around like, like, oh, I'm about I, to, you I'm, see what I'm wearing green. Right. <laughs> and he, he went to work. I mean, he, he, he had, he, he did some things that game. I didn't know Jay Crowder had he in the back. Doing. I mean, he it's like Jay Crowder disappeared for, for a minute. And then I, and I realized, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. He's in the bag. That's why he disappeared. Mm-hmm. He has to get out the bag. So. Which now that I think of it, I don't know if we ever talked about or if this has been talked about. But then you go, you look at when he's in Cleveland playing for the Cavs. And then Gordon goes there for the first game. And he ends up getting blamed for Gordon Hayward's injury. There needs to be a 30 for 30 on their dynamic. It's not even that big of a story, but there always yeah. seems to be some kind of connection of those two random players in yeah. the league. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're going to always be connected in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I, thing I love about Jay is that he's just a competitor, man. I mean, that's the one thing about him that I never, ever doubted or questioned, and that is his desire to compete. And there's a lot of cats in this game right now in the NBA who are not about that life. They are wanting to play well. They want to get the brand name get up. They want, to, they want to get that bank account stacked. And yeah, I'll play the game. I'll play one help you. Yeah. But he was, he, I mean, Jay is a genuine competitor, uh, grinder. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's in a great situation in, in Phoenix. In Phoenix, the way he stepped up last season, I was just like, 
where was this Jay Crowder in Boston? And obviously that means yeah. he's grown over the last few years, but his game has con- continued to quietly elevate, I think, which yeah. speaks a lot to his hustle. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I mean, there's no – he's never going to be your star. He's never going to be your, yeah. your guy next to your star. But when you talk about your top four or five guys, like at the end of the game, Jay Crowder more nice than not is going to be on the floor uh, because he impacts winning in a big way, whether it's making some big shots, doing some things defensively, or just kind of being a pest pain in your ass. Uh, you know, I just – you know, I just like to see when he channels his 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 inner Gordon anti Gordon, because yeah. that's that dude is a that dude is a monster. That's a different mode. <laughs> that dude is a monster. He's really really good. And speaking of really really good, Kwani, what you got coming up good for NBC Ten? I did I tell you? Oh, I think I told you all about the interview with Jordan Charles. Yeah, so I have that. The Roxbury feature is actually getting split up because we got so much good content. So that's going to be on the hub today. I think starting next week, uh, the week of the after. The, or, oh, that's November, actually. Well, goodness gracious. October. Right around the corner. We'll start in the beginning of November. You can catch that on the hub today. And then we also have an interview with Jordan Childs, who is actually going to be in the Boston area. I think it's November. I don't know the exact date. You can look it up. It's the Gold Across America tour where Jordan, um, Charles will be there, Simone Biles, a lot of other Olympian gymnasts will be in Boston at the TD Garden, basically doing a tour across the country after the Tokyo Olympics. So I'm excited to, for that interview to air because she just gave us an insight as to what we're going to see if we if you end up deciding to go to that, but also a little bit about her background as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. What about you? Oh, let's see. Uh, we've got lots of different stuff. I mean, Bleacher Report, a couple different things out there. The latest was uh, kind of our week one hot takes uh, about just every, all the teams. I did the Atlantic Division. Uh, check that out. Specifically, check out my hot take about the Boston Celtics and a certain young man by the name of Jason Tatum and what I expect from him this year. Uh, let's just say Tatum is making your boy look good. Uh, he's making your boy look real good on what I expect from him. And he's definitely balling uh, for, for Ebony. I uh, had a piece. It actually, I think it came out on uh, came out today or yesterday. I can't remember uh, about a young man named Jaden Michael, who's going to be playing uh, Colin Kaepernick in a new Netflix series. Oh, and I, yeah. I, yeah. I had a chance to sit down and talk with him for a little bit. And so that's, that's up there. Interesting guy. Uh, yeah. He's only 18 years old. So, so ladies out there, he's back. He's back. He's just turned 18. Oh my uh, God. I'm just saying. I mean, yo, I, I'm just saying. Uh, good kid, though. Really good kid. Really smart. Uh, and and just kind of went through just some of the things that he uh, learned and just preparing for this role for a, a character who, one, is a real character as opposed to a fictional one. Mm-hmm. And also one who's very private and just trying to extrapolate little different nuances out of a, uh, a subject who isn't necessarily universally warm and fuzzy yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so he, he he gets into to what that was like and so they definitely check that out on ebony.com uh usual garden report stuff we'll be doing and that's pretty much it for me uh but yeah. you know as Kwani knows there's always something going on always something going on it sounds like that's a wrap on our podcast then that's a wrap that's a wrap and one more shout out to our good yeah. friends at betus.com uh, and don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast, which is available on all your podcasting apps. For Kwani A. Lunis. Love the hair, girl. Thanks. This is a shot. <laughs> we will catch you all next week. 